Now the shotgun start in golf is full of mathematics. Um, there's a lot, of, a lot of setup work that we have to do in order to make a tournament work. So I'm gonna demonstrate to you just exactly how we do a shotgun start here. Greetings and welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Shotgun Start. It is September 27th. Andy, how are we doing? Brendan, I'm doing uh, great. You know, it's nice to be in front of people doing a little live show. It's great to be back at uh, the Beedratty Summit Golf Headquarters. Uh, been a while. has been since the live show we did before the PGA at Bethpage. 2019 PGA at Bethpage was the last time we were here. This is What's your favorite part of the PGA at Bethpage? Um, when they called that stretch the power hour, when you cross oh, the road, was it was that. like 15 through 18 or whatever it was. CBS kind of was trying to brand a stretch of holes, the green mile and this, that. Um, but no, it's, it's a pleasure to be at a uh, summit headquarters. We're in Manhattan. You know, they've been, if you're listening to this podcast and if you're listening now, you have been, they've been great friends of ours really since the very beginning of this podcast. And many of the places we've gone, major championships, Ryder cups have been, you know, dratty houses, right? And some of them were, were maybe not up to the, or even our low standards, but um, <laughs> this, is, this is far too nice for us. We're, we're surrounded by uh, their showroom. You know, you go to bdratty.com, use the promo code SGS30. 30. They've got Ryder Cup stuff. They've got, I'm looking around at a bunch of nice fall items, like the long sleeve Jack Polo, the Proctor hoodie. Some we're really good teased, stuff. We are getting teased with fall of 24 stuff. I know, know? It's I like, know. Oh, how do I get that? Well, you can't until you, next year. Next year. But <laughs> they've, been, they've been great friends of ours. Uh, obviously allowed us to do so much over the years, and it's kind of a, a, a pleasure to be here doing the Ryder Cup stuff throughout the week. We'll probably play some golf in the New York area. Well, I, I think we got a setup similar to the setup I, I fell in love with with the Open Championship. I, I'm going to have to get back on my early morning routine, right? which includes cold showers, um, <laughs> not drinking coffee for two hours, push-ups. You know, there's the push -ups a, a, are very, a, a, a clear regimen that I set, but the beauty is we're going to have the afternoons to dilly-dally play some fall golf in the new york area what you know weather Maybe. permitting weather permitting weather permitting so and we've got a great setup permitting thanks to our our friends at, at summit hey, and i've been meaning to ask you a question i haven't yeah. talked to you since uh since you were uh mia on sunday you were at at a football game i oh. gotta ask we're we're in new york this yeah. might be a you know not a popular question but is bill's mafia the best fan base in new york <laughs> of new york i mean Aren't the other two teams in New Jersey? Technically, isn't that the thing they always say? But I don't. Um, I I was very impressed with the uh, the command. I was at the Commanders Bills game, and it was eighty percent Bills fans. It felt like so. Uh, that's a that's a franchise that's moribund. So I, I don't know if that's the best uh, sort of gauge of, of that fan base. It was a good Sunday. Good Sunday. Thank you to you and Joseph for picking up the slack. Uh, thanks to him. You know, not me. Um, all right. So we're starting. Ryder Cup is. You know, it's the best event for my mind. It's the best event in golf. There are many things that could be better. You're putting it over the Masters. Um, I, I don't know. Can I, can I punt and say they're on equal footing? I, I think it's... 
You're putting it over the open. Every open season, you say that's the best. You have like three best that's events. That's true. You are, you are kind of putting me on the spot. The one thing... I feel like if, you, if we sent you down to Ponte Vedra for a couple of days, you'd say that the players is the best event. <laughs> I can be easily bought. Um, no, I think the one thing about the Ryder Cup is we spend so much year, so much of the year, especially on this podcast, talking about ways things should be changed, modified, improved, um, quibbles and some larger hangups we have on stuff in golf, whether there should be a new tour, a new series. We've, we've seen all these places try to re in events, try to reinvent themselves, try to tweak and change. And it just feels like so much with the Ryder cup is, is perfect. Uh, of course there are things that could be made better, but the number of matches, the number of times we see it every other year, the number of players, uh, the format, everything about it. And we haven't even had a close one in like 10 years. Medina was really the last close Ryder Cup if you look at it. Um, and yet we're still captivated. I, almost to the point of, I would say, over analysis. We're getting some... Well, yeah. I think I, you know, I was th just thinking about this when you were talking, like, I think some people's complaint would be like, just don't let media in until like Wednesday, I because just, it's, it's insane. But it's, it's honestly like the Super Bowl, like you, the Super Bowl, the week preceding, sure. like you're getting into the Super Bowl and it's like, all right, I'm kind of done on Super Bowl prep. Like, right. it's like Wednesday before the Super Bowl. And you're like, it, it, we've got, we've hit the, the point where we shouldn't keep talking about this. along the same lines i just saw a clip they're talking about like brexit and how that's affected you know in continental <laughs> relations in europe and how this could maybe bring them together like there's a lot of an over analysis that gets done over the course of five days before that that first match but for my my money the uniqueness of it even without a close match a close contest a close sunday in a decade now there's something about um just never seen the professional golfers in this kind of setting, except really once every two years. I know um, they also have the President's Cup with the international side, but th this one with, with some of its history and recent history over the last kind of 40 years as the Europeans have ascended, um, th there's just something unique about seeing these great players, especially from Europe in this kind of, this kind of setting. I think it's a fascinating thing. I, uh, I talked a little bit with Garrett about this on, on the fried egg pod. Um, that just was released. But, um, you know, one of the things that's a common theme when you talk to the elite professional golfers is that one of the, you know, you ask them what drew you to golf and it's like, I don't have to rely on anybody. And that's like the first thing they almost always say about like why they like golf more than other sports. And here this event, you know, you, you hear the players talk about how it's like pressure on like anything else. And it's, I think that's all because they have teammates. They have people, and I think a lot of times in life, you're almost, you feel worse when you let someone else down more than you feel bad when you let yourself down. And I think that's the unique thing about this event, what makes it so special and what makes those like those moments, like, I mean, you're pl they're playing for a team. They, they're playing for 11 other people, and that's so rare. We don't ever get that in golf, which makes this, you know, and just the rooting interest of it, right? Like, it's super hard to have, like, a, I, I love, you know, my favorite golfer, Sepp Straka, you know. <laughs> so, right. I, I've got a lot of reasons. Right. But, but you know, not everybody's <laughs> lucky like me. And they, you know, it's hard to, like, be like, I love this golfer, you know. Uh-huh. 
Um, but it's really easy to be like, I'm rooting for the U.S. What, who do you want to see Sepp play with as, as like a partner while we're on I, the subject of Straka here at the very Well, I think he minute. should go out all five matches for sure. <laughs> well, you know, if fitness is a, is a concern out here, there's nobody more fit on tour than Sepp. I, you know, we've been talking about the off the bus kind of impressiveness <laughs> of the European side. They're big boys. You know, there's Sepp, there's Shane Lowry. John Rahm is, is a, you know, an edge rusher type. Um, he's not an edge rusher. He's, like he's big. He's huge. He's big. He's got shoulders. Um, I'm just wondering what this... Think you're doing the linebacker. Thing. This hilly course, they're talking about how no one can play all five sessions. Have they built like a roster that, that was like supposed to run the option and all of a sudden they got an air raid coach because they can't get... You know, they need fitness getting up and down the hill. It just feels like maybe they're not fit for this course. Maybe this size isn't you know built for this Marco Simone. They're talking about it like like it's no one can go five sessions. It's this taxing running a New York marathon what or are, something. What are we doing when this course was built for it and you built it so that nobody <laughs> could go around it five times? It feels like that should be in the realm of possibilities. You should want like somebody to go 5 and 0 oh, like DJ did. Right. I, I mean, it should be on the table. I, someone's going to go five matches, right? I mean, Rory... Uh, well, I think the, the thing about it is, like, the Europeans, you look at the bottom of the roster. We're, we each prep three things. Um, yeah, you know, this ahead. is the type of prep that professional podcasts do. Um, I, you know, you look at the bottom four, and I'm putting Justin Rose in here. He hasn't done anything, really, since, you know, the winning pebble. Right. Yeah. Everybody talks about experience, experience this, experience that. Like you got to play. You got to play great golf. You got Justin Rose, Nikolai Hogard, Bobby Mack, and I'm putting Ludwig in here just because you know er, er, he's been super impressive. But at the same time, you know he has a bunch of T47s on the PGA Tour. Um. So with those four guys, like you can't sit a lot of guys. Like two of those guys has to have to step up and have great, great matches in order for them to win. I think what it also does is put the onus on like their top guys to have absolutely no, maybe not even a half, right? Like it's, yeah. it really puts, it amplifies the pressure on that. We've heard all about how they, they're top heavy, maybe the two, three best players in the world going with Hovland, Rahman, Rory. Um, it really puts the pressure on them to, uh, there's, I don't know, there's a presumption maybe that there's no help coming, right? Or that you really have to secure your points if you're the top guys, which sometimes isn't always the case if you have a one through 12 kind of more depth. Yeah, I think that's like the fascinating different dynamics of these two teams. One's top heavy and a little light at the bottom. The other one is just really solid throughout. And, um, you know, on a golf course that that um, you might not be able to go all five, I think that definitely plays into the U.S. hands. I think, um, you know, talking about those top three guys, it feels like one, let's say they all the three guys on Europe play four matches. Right. One, two, and one from any of them is a, is a, is a crushing blow. Right. I and it's not like they're playing chop liver. Like they might be going up against Cantley and Xander, two top six players in the world. Right. Right. I, I, I just, I think it's a fascinating, there's really very few people on the U.S. roster right now that I'm super concerned about. I feel like on the European side, I, I wouldn't say concern is, is, is maybe the word, but question marks. Like Justin Rose, you already brought up. 
Bob, Bobby Mack, Robert McIntyre. Not to, we love Big Shot Bob. He's a he's a fan favorite of ours. Like he's, we love the personality. <laughs> Been talking about Big Shot Bob for years. Years. The man from Oban, uh, the rural Scotland. Great personality. Great onesie. Didn't right. He's got a great pajamas going. Um, didn't look particularly sorted out on the range. Kind of looked like a Phil uh, Paris situation. It really looked kind of in dire straits. Um, already, you know, I think he missed the cut at the French Open last week. Uh, so, like that kind of element, I think, is present on the on the on the European side. Matt Fitzpatrick has. I mean, you were talking about the middle, the upper half of the roster. Now he's never done really anything at Ryder Cup. He's he's completely different, though. Like the player, he. He's not even the same guy. Yeah. He's, he's, he hits it 20 yards further I, than when he hit it at, at Whistling Street. He's a completely different player. I understand, but the, the contest of the competition is not different, and he doesn't have a lot to go on there. And He, uh, he doesn't have a lot to – I mean, he's got a U.S. Open since I mean, the he was, last time. He was talking about at the, uh, at the Open Championship, like, oh, I wouldn't – I'd be surprised if I finished in the top 30. I wouldn't say that's someone that seems like they're – hot to trot this year you know it's a different player but i just have some question marks about the european side i know they have history and everything the home crowd on their side but that's where i'm at at the start of the, the start of the week is this the most american european team of all time you got two chicagoans fitzy Luke, and who's and the other Luke, one ld yeah. the captain right you got valdosta georgia's uh sep yep you got Ludwig, who just Lubbock, you know was in Lubbock, just yeah. straight from Lubbock, Texas. Right, and then you got Jupiter. Uh, Jupiter's uh, Rory McIlroy and Scottsdale's uh, John Rahm. Yeah, right. So I mean, that's the, the whole that uh, seriously though. Like I, that's a that's a point I I had in here, and, and one of the things we prepped is there's like a homogenization. The, the Ryder Cup I feel like is perfect right now. Very few tweaks you would make to it, but there's a homogenization happening and all of pro golf, right? Like we talk about it mostly with the games, like all these guys, there's no like European style anymore. They're not playing Lynx golf growing up. Everybody just swing it as fast as I can and hit as far as I can and figure it out. Like the games are all, and they're all going to the PGA tour, right? Like the European tour does is a, is a feeder tour. Well, that's yeah. It's not just the style of play. It's also like all these guys, are coming up the same way now. The pathway to pro golf is the same, similar. I mean, Ludwig is from Lubbock, right? I mean, he's coming from Lubbock, not from Lubbock. He was in Lubbock. Kind of disrespectful. Sepp Sepp is literally from Valdosta, Georgia. I know he lived in Austria, he vacations there and stuff. He's got a Southern accent. He lives in Birmingham, Alabama, not England. Um, There's a homogenization. I mean, the, the origins of the Ryder Cup becoming the best, one of the best events in golf is like, those European tour guys being pissed off and slighted, Seve and others, that like our tour is as good, if not better, right? And that persisted into the subsequent generation with West Westwood, a little bit with Sergio. Walter. Yeah, I, that that doesn't exist anymore. There's no pure European tour player. I'd say on this roster, like Robert McIntyre is the closest thing, Nikolai Hogard, but like the rookies, the other two rookies are straight from this, Texas and Georgia. Well, the thing about Hogard and, and Bobby Mack, the only reason they're playing on the European tour is that they haven't earned PGA tour status yet. Like that's the thing, right? So, is, so it, you know, I think like one of the things that has happened with this event is that it's not like, hey, we see these guys at the majors and the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. It's now we see these guys every week on the PGA tour 
and we play against each other in the Ryder Cup, right? Right, and and so I I'm not saying that portends like doom for the Ryder Cup, but it's definitely changing an element of it. I don't know if it's less adversarial. These guys are still going to play for being from Sweden or being from Northern Ireland or wherever it is. I just think there was a stronger motivating factor probably in the 80s and 90s and, and sort of the generation that carried it on. I, I know that still animates them and, and carrying on that legacy. I just, I wonder about that. Where Everybody's basically from the same tour. They all came up the same way. They now play the same style of golf. It, it could be sort of a, a I don't know, questionable element of it, of its future. That's that's changing. I think I think the beauty in the um, the great thing behind it is that it's like pure competition, and you all these guys don't want to lose, and that at the end of the day is going to carry it no matter what because it's like a very simple format for fans to understand, and it's like match play like. You see it with, it was JT's quotes about like Rory, about like how he's really good friends with him, but when they play, you know, they, they're like, you see that, like anybody that plays matches with their friends at at a club or at their course, like the match goes, like sometimes it gets uncomfortable because people get super competitive, you know? And it's like, this is the same thing, right? And the, you know, the countries behind it, make for so such rooting interests and you know and and like some of the players right like if you if you're you know i just talked about how my favorite player is sep like right. how, how can i root against the europeans but it would be better right if there was a, a like a sort of this tour is a little foreign to us element yes. right or the these players like there wasn't constant commingling I think that the the event like that is the origin of it becoming one of the better events in golf. Well, it's like the war on the shore was the right. breakout moment, right? right? And there was a lot of contention between the teams, right? Yep. Um, you know what? What do you think could create contention between the teams? I mean, concessions. You know, getting a little stingy on the concessions. We've seen Justin Thomas, you know, take umbrage with not being given putts inside the leather. Um, also then on the other side, not re- refusing to concede much of anything inside of, I don't know, three, four feet uh, at various President's Cups and, and Ryder Cups. Is there someone you think that is that could become a hot kind of a, a subject of, of contention, a subject of controversy? Anybody? I, I see you scrolling through the European yeah. side here. I mean, I think Hatton could really rub somebody the wrong way. Isn't that so much self-flagellation as I opposed think it to is. others? But like if he's if he's talking about how much he sucks and he's swearing to himself and you're losing to him, that's like probably <laughs> that is, the most that frustrating thing that, that can point. happen. It's like this guy hates what's going on and I'm somehow losing to him. Yeah, right? that's fair. I think Victor Hovland has some sort of like you know you know he's listening to the metal. He's got sort of a Nordic uh, temper from what we've heard. You know he's screaming on his various zooms with the the player advisory committee or you know screaming at maybe about the the merger at, at jaymon and maybe there's something in there that we could see that that he's he's straight out called out um daniel berger about a drop right on the line of entering the line of the hazard at tps i think there's something in there with uh victor and and he probably has taken upon himself to be sort of that leader or one of the leaders now that i i can see that something brewing with with victor hovland what about wyndham clark he made a lot of he just talking a lot he's he might be trying to take over billy boy's role as a town crier so 
I said I didn't have a lot of concerns about American players. Wyndham Clark would be one that I might have some concern about America on the American side. Uh, this is a whole new ball game for him. I realize he's had a great year. Uh, I think you know that Euro press is like a dog with a bone right now on him. I, I don't think he's even said anything that incendiary. He said, you know, I, I, I have confidence in myself and I'd like to play Rory McIlroy. I'd like to know that I could potentially beat him. I, I love, didn't think he said, I love I, this is a guy <laughs> that this is happening to. He won the U.S. Open. Yeah. And but, he, beat, he beat Scheffler, Ricky, and Rory. Like there are four guys that could win the tournament. This is a, he comes out on top, and like, what is he supposed to say? Is he supposed to no, say? I thought you know what? I don't want to play Rory. I, I'm not as good as him. He's a top ten player in the world. I thought those comments were completely fine, but the Euro press—they're looking for that. They're looking it, for that little red meat, and they're gone with it now. And they're pressing him on it. Like you got to clarify that. Are you saying you could beat anyone in the world? Well, are you the best? He got—he, you know what happened to him? This is the same thing that happened to Justin Fields last week. What happened with Justin Fields? <laughs> like, I was oh, at, he said something oh, about like he—it was a long answer about coaching, and some guy just is like put just coaching. Like he, oh, he took all the rest of the quote and it, and it went nuts. And then he had to go back up and clarify. Wendell Clark's been up on the press stand too much. I mean, this is a new deal. We just talked about the over analysis and how that can't. I mean, we saw like Danny Willett's brother all of a sudden <laughs> making his entire week a nightmare. Like that can have an impact. And this is a new ball game for Wyndham Clark. It's a new stage. It's even more intense than the U.S. Open, I would say. And so he does, I, I thought his first comments were fine. Like, I have belief in myself. I want to take on, or I feel like I could beat Rory. You're not going to say I, I would get my ass kicked. You wouldn't say that. But now he's talking and, today. Uh, well, I want to also put, yeah. this isn't Blocky. This is, this is a top 10 player in the well, world. he's not as good as Blocky or what? <laughs> I think, you know, like, honestly, like, Wyndham's one of the few players in the world that's got the same horsepower as Rory. Like, Tee green, like kind of off stuff. the tee. Sure. Like I don't. I think like he's one of maybe three or four guys that can keep up. They with got him. him in the blender, though. They got him in the blender right now. He was up on the dais today, and he's just getting peppered. <laughs> Clarify yourself. What did you say? I mean, you just think no one else exists. What's wrong with you? Uh, and he he came out with the hilly course thing. He goes, I also think they might be a little mentally fatigued. As this week goes on, this is obviously a very intense environment and mentally challenging. I mean, he's kind of throwing the gauntlet down. And then also you put in a pretty physically demanding golf course being so hilly and up and down and maybe come Sunday, they might be leaking oil. Now that's like, those are triggering words on a golf course. Let's tell somebody they might be leaking oil and will be fresh. I think, I mean, Wyndham Wyndham Clark has a target on his back. That's, that's, I mean, with those comments and everything else and, and a new stage, I have a little concern. Anyone else on the U.S. side you're concerned about? Yeah, I am. Ricky Fowler. Completely. He he's he was 13th in points. I mean, he won, like, we're celebrating this, like, incredible year. It was awesome to watch Ricky Fowler come back and become a figure in golf great. again. Yep. It was great. Yep. He won the freaking Detroit <laughs> Open. <laughs> like, it's not like, and then, like, the one time he was in the cauldron, the U.S. Open and Sunday, he was a disaster. Well, yeah, I know. So, we like, you that. look at Ricky's record in, in away Ryder Cups is one six and five. His overall record is three seven and five. Like, not a good Ryder Cup player. 
in his history. And I don't like I these are all like individual samples, but like I'm I don't like everybody's like there's no holes in in the US like how is he not a hole? Like he hasn't like I don't think we'll see him play what? Three three, three matches. matches. I think he'll play three one matches. One a day. Yeah. I'd say the same for Clark. And like what what format? Ricky's probably not going to be a, a four ball guy. You play him in foursomes? I'm probably do an alt shot. Like, what is what do you make of them starting with foursomes? This is a uh, big I love it. controversy in Europe. So Europe, when they're host, you can you know set the schedule, the formats. They always start with four ball and and then go to foursomes. Luke Donald, you know statistical reasons. I assume statistical reasons have been behind some of those in the past. Starting with four ball, said we're going with foursomes, and now the captains are like, you know, shook. Past captains are like, huh, wow, what what are we doing? This tradition, you got to go with four ball, but we're starting right out of the gate with foursomes, which means, you know, in the states, we're going to be done by what five thirty in the morning or something like Maybe that. Maybe that's the session. thing they're trying to trying to limit the TV audience pressure. <laughs> the, you know, hey guys, US. there's only going to be X million of people watching on TV and so this. But I, I why love do you like it. them doing that? Um, so on. When Trevor Immelman came on the Friday uh, preview for the Ryder Cup, he talked about how he knew with like almost 100% certainty the U.S. is going to send out JT and Jordan Spieth right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. JT is a big question mark in this uh, tournament. Obviously, that's been like the lead up. That's what's been the discussion for the last three months is about he? the Ryder Cup. Separate debate. Is he a question mark in the tournament or was he a question mark to be a pick? Well, I think like his game is a huge question mark. He had like he had undeniably the worst year of his career this year. Um, So my the thing with foursomes is that it is a intense format to be thrown out there. And if you're playing four ball, you can kind of like get your feet wet, mm -hmm. right? You can get comfortable if JT is not 100% comfortable with where his golf swing's at, he is going to get exposed in four, foursomes. And you so, think he'll be out there in foursomes? I think uh, him and J- George According Spieth, to Freddie Couples. Four matches. Spilling the beans, saying they're going to play four matches. So if those guys are out first, and JT's a little shaky, which you know I think that's a way you could describe his golf game for the year. If he's a little shaky, that could be just an early you know, confidence punch now, like it could come out the complete opposite way. JT could play great, and that whole the whole thing could backfire because this is the format that the Europeans have traditionally dominated, right? All shot. If, now, if they go, if, the, if this could backfire in the sense of like, oh, what if what if they walk away and US is up three one? Right, and now you're you're on your on your back foot, as as Paul McGinley would say. Um, I I've come around, and maybe I'm just prisoner of the moment. I think JT's gonna just crush it. I think like. Um, for genera- for like decades, really, the American side has looked for like their top players, and JT is a top player, not not this season, to like give a damn about this thing in the way that a lot of the top Euros did, and they do right now. And like this goes back to like before Justin Thomas ever won a major. I think he talked about like I'd rather be on the Ryder Cup team this year than win a major. Like that's the kind of thing you'd hear from you know, the European side. And that's not to say prior generations of American stars like didn't care about it, but to place that emphasis and priority on it and then also have like the talent match up because he is, you know, one of the more, most talented players, uh, I, I think is what we've been looking for uh, like from the U.S. side forever. 
And yeah, he's not, I think the question mark was like, they deserve a pick. And now that he's got it, I, I, I think like, I, I have quite a bit of confidence, even though his game has been um, not up to his standard this week. This is who, this is the kind of person that we, the American side needed and wanted forever. And I think that kind of trickles into the rest of like, you know, they're obviously buddies. There's a buddy system like that trickles into kind of his, his colleagues, right. And his peers that are, are of similar stature, similar star power and similar age. And so, uh, I, I've been critical of JT's play and, and thought his, the pick warranted like some skepticism, but I'm really kind of fired up and anticipating big things. I think, I mean, I think it's fascinating because if he plays up to close to his level, uh, that we have been accustomed to the major championship level of play, all of a sudden you look at the top of the lineup and it's not European has the European team has clearly the best three players. If JT is JT from 2020, you know, you, you might look at that and say, all right, Scheffler, JT, and Brooks, maybe I take that over Rom, Rory, and Hovland. Like, that's a legitimate... Like, if JT plays to the level, we know he can play. He's a former world number one. If he plays to that level, you know, all of a sudden, then that top line advantage that the Europeans have could be gone. One thing JT has had um, is a start recently. Uh, not a T five. Not Napa. a lot of yeah. Him and he and Max Homa did play in Napa. I saw contrary to the leaking oil, and these guys are going to be exhausted. Uh, point that Wyndham Clark was making. The European, <laughs> the, the European press last night was suggesting it's arrogant that the Americans have taken so much time off and think that they can come. Like we're now this is American arrogance that. You know, you took five weeks off and think you can come in and play, and it's not. It's a, they're taking God, umbrage. You're, gonna, you're coming after the Europeans today. No, I'm the not European coming. I, I'm having fun with that. Like I, this is always a delight. Kind of whether they intended it to be amusing or not, it always is uh, every two years. But they suggested. I, I saw it percolating yesterday with friends uh, from across the pond that they're taking umbrage with these guys not refusing to play so much or refusing to play really since Eastlake. Do you think that's a real issue? I mean... Well, I think so. Like, none of these guys would prepare for a major championship this way. None of them. That's fair. Like, they would all play within the two weeks, two to three weeks preceding. So it's definitely different. It's similar to, like, the, the way the U.S. team rolled into the President's Cup at Royal Melbourne. Like jet lagged from uh, from from the hero, Bahamas, like it was yeah. a disaster of a way to roll into a, t- a, a tournament. Right. Like and you know the meanwhile the internationals all played the Australian Open the week before, are acclimated to where they are, acclimated to the weather, the conditions. And I think it is a big advantage for the Europeans. No matter what, you're going to be more sharp if you've played a little bit of tournament golf in the last month. We talked about some guys we're concerned over or maybe skeptical of. Who are you most? really excited or bullish whether it's as a pairing or as a single single player on their I mean, own Sepp Straka. So, i mean come on but for real i mean i had for reasons that are maybe more substantive than his background and physique and first i'm name. serious he's gonna come out and he's gonna rain some birdies okay i We're gonna agree. see the open open championship sep are there other i Honestly, I think like somebody that's on the American side that's gone under the radar, nobody's talked about is Sam Burns. And I could see Sam Burns being a total ass kicker, a complete, I could just see him just being an, just an asshole out there, right? Not Language. mince my words where like you're playing against him and you're like, God, I 
can't believe I have to play this guy. He's going to be with Scheffler. And he's got a mullet. And he's got the mullet. Right. As much as like people, (laughs) European press also kind of offended by that, I guess, too. I heard that yesterday on the drive up. I saw Um, saw a picture. I can't remember who tweeted it, but it was a picture of uh, of, uh, Brooks and Jenna going to like... uh, going to the dinner the gala the, the tonight gala. yeah yep and it was like brooks is in the mullet it's like this man just won the powerball <laughs> this florida man just won the powerball and this is his new wife and he's in the tux or whatever they're <laughs> yeah. in the gown and going to the gala great. that's pretty good There's, well i mean the last time we had the mullet and the usa shaved into it they did say it was an uh a, a display of thuggish jingoism oh. you know putting usa on the side of your head so uh, i am with you on the burns uh, take he's going to play with Scheffler. I think he's flown completely under the radar. He was incredible last year at Quail Hollow in the Presidents Cup. Didn't necessarily not on the points wise, but he was really like a stout player. Tita Green didn't you know Scheffler was kind of up and down with his putting, and is again this week. Are you concerned about Scotty Scheffler? Is he just so good, Tita Green? That I, w- these I would hate to play him in match play. Right, like he, he you know. Like the guy is relentless from tee to green, and it, I couldn't imagine having to hit a shot like after he hits an approach to eight feet, like over and over and over again. And especially in those foursomes matches, like Sam Burns is a great putter, and he gets to putt right after you know he gets to putt Scheffler's approaches, yep. which I think is you know, and like if say Burns is like a he's an above average iron player, but like. You know, if he doesn't hit it that close, like, you know, where Scotty struck, Scotty's putting isn't bad was the lags. It's just he's not making as many 10 footers as you want. One guy from the Americans I'm fired up to see, um, in addition to Burns, in addition to JT, just for all the drama surrounding his pick, is Harmon. I kind of I'm really interested to see Brian Harmon be Dratty uh, ambassador. Um, oh, I'm just throwing that out the there. But no, I said this on a prior, but I think the Harmon hopefully Kepka pairing could be really interesting. Kind of two two red asses, two guys that are motivated by sort of an adversarial person across from them. Also, I think two guys who have done this in match play before, um, whether it's I know college and Ryder Cup or Walker Cup doesn't necessarily mean anything here in 2023, but I would love to see them pair together. I think like Harmon in a four ball setting, he's not the bigger biggest hitter, but like could just go kind of hunt birdies and hit it where he hits it, you know, straight and far or straight and, you know, accurate. Um, I think he could be really fascinating. And I think I was kind of amused because he's the, he's the lefty, right? He's a lefty on the U.S. side. I guess there was like awful wind on the range the other day and he was like 60 yards on the other side of the range because that's because he's a lefty yeah, right he didn't the wind the was bad cross it was just mess with your head and people are trying to suggest he's like not vibing I, with the u.s side from because, the team. yeah he was isolated it, it was clearly because he was a lefty and on the far end of the range i'm really and just the the prospect of a guy who's been on tour for whatever he's been on a decade being a rookie in this in this setting and he's done team events before i'm really intrigued to watch him and i think four ball kind of plays well plays well into his game i mean i would i really am looking forward to seeing uh ludwig aberg and hopefully with the rom pairing they're talking about you know as a potential or rory they say he might go with rory it's kind of unprecedented right the guy's never played in a major championship he's playing at texas tech four months ago 
and now he's in the most pressurized uh, situation in golf, and maybe he's too young and naive and stupid to care, right? Or, or it's crazy. I I did a pod uh, a few months ago with Logan McAllister, who's on the Corn Ferry Tour, right on the bubble of getting his PGA Tour card. But he finished, I want to say, third in the PGA Tour U last year. And on that pod, on three different instances, he brought up how amazing Ludwig was, and that's like at a pair of you know just a, a peer that plays very high level golf. You very rarely hear someone talk about another peer that way. Um, right. It'll be, it'll be fascinating to see how he handles the moment of the four rookies. I think they're most excited about him. I think he's going to play the most compared I mean, to your guy Straka and Hoygaard who a mistake <laughs> Hoygaard uh, Straka. I think he's going to play the most and Bobby Mack. I think they're most excited about Aberg, and I think he's going to play the most. And it's a really, really cool element to have i think in a Ryder cup when you have something so on so unprecedented untested with so much hype around them it's like getting like some incredible rookie that all of a sudden is like a sixth man in the nba finals right he's barely played in the nba playoffs and now all of a sudden he's a contributor so i asked uh, trevor this but i'm curious your answer Uh-oh. who's got the most pressure on him this Ryder cup <sighs> this is the thing with the Ryder cup it makes us try to quantify all these random intangibles right who's got the most pressure who's got the most to lose that aren't quantifiable that can't be measured um i think justin thomas has the most pressure on him to perform uh if it's not on on the american side just because of the the i don't know if it's controversy but uh skepticism around his pick i think on the european side is rory mcelroy uh i yeah i i just remember now that that's what trevor said as well but that's not sort of the origin of my answer i I think, you know, given his poor, poor performance at Whistling Straits, his reaction to that, the absolute need for him to be a good player, given some of the roster uh, question marks in the middle and the end of it, like it's an immense, immense pressure on Rory. And also kind of with the whole transitional period for Europe, right? He's the bridge. He is for sure that Rahm's sort of come on later, Hovland later. Like he is for sure the bridge. He's also put himself out there as being um, not particularly uh, broken up that that prior generation is not here in some form or fashion as assistant captains, Poulter, Westwood, Garcia, Casey, those types. Like he's fine. He gave a quote, I think yesterday, like I think now is the time when these guys are really going to regret their decision. They're definitely missing out. I don't know if that's the case, um, but he's still throwing it out there. He's still throwing heaters at those guys. Uh, even when I'm not sure he needs to. So I think it just adds to the pressure. It's it's going to, I would think, be like the Masters for him, right? I think it's it's a really, it's it's kind of a, a, a big challenge for him to perform. Yeah, I think those, I think, and the point Trevor made too, I think is a great one, is like, you know, the, the Americans could afford for JT to go 1-3-0. Oh, and right. the Europeans cannot afford for Rory to go 1-3-0. And I think that's the tough thing is that there's just more expectations on that side of the thing. Um, you know who I'm not worried about at all? Shane Lowry. I was so impressed with him at Whistling Straits. I feel really? like he's just, you know, this, this is like the complete like anti-data thing. But like the guy, the guy just like cares. He went like one and I'll never forget that inconsequential match that he was fist pumping the singles on on 18. Uh, You're a prisoner of the highlight there. You're a prisoner of the emotion. I think he's had a pretty underwhelming year. 
didn't look hasn't looked great I, of late. I'm just saying, I this is an anti data. I understand uh, it. I understand it. I, I, I do you think he feels the pressure though? I mean, no, he's got to no, be. He's, he's in the middle. He's the perfect spot where you know you. You know, he could do anything and nobody's going to be really mad at him. Uh, what do you expect from Brooks? Uh, that's a good question. It, the evolution of Brooks is really interesting. Like when he started these things, these Ryder Cups, he's like, I don't really like these. I like, I don't like being told I got to get on the bus at 7 a.m. to the, go do this thing and do this autograph sign. Like these are all solo um, contractors or solo artists right they they're on their own schedule they do their own thing and they show up for their tea time and he wasn't it it kind of was taken that he didn't care about winning or care about performing on the Ryder cup but now he's like it's like a motivating factor it's a drive of his entire year he's talking about today he was asked how many of the people actually want to have the entire Ryder cup on their club say it's the, the 14th or 14th and a half point on sunday and it's all knotted up similar to what we saw with the Solheim Cup. How many of those guys do you think actually want that? He goes, very few. And it's false confidence. He's one, I would say, that has real confidence. Do you think Wyndham Clark wants no. it? <laughs> Whether he knows it or not, I don't think he knows it or not. He doesn't want that. Um, but Kepka's evolution in Do you think Brian this, Harmon wants it? I think he would be all right with it. I'm serious. Yeah. Just because, yeah. No, just because be dratty guy, right? No, I, I really do think... I'd be okay with Harmon. Just set me up there. Uh, but Brooks, I think, is one of those people. And his evolution in this event of being a guy that he was a live person that the team still had a, had a I don't know, a palatable approach with. Like, I don't think that existed with Bryson and some others. And he performed this year in majors where they couldn't ignore his, it couldn't ignore him as a captain's pick. And, I think like part of that was like he has come to enjoy these events, right? Come to appreciate these events, like, and obviously developed relationships from them where he was really sort of like the solo kind of intimidator, trying to be a, a badass to everyone else in the locker room. I, I really think he's evolved in, in within the lens of these events, and I expect big things from him. I, I loved him today. They were really trying to get him going. Like, don't you think like Bryson should have gotten a pick or warranted? consideration he's like i don't think so every play better he said play better there are pathways for all of us to get on this team and you just had to play better so he didn't really go to the talking points uh for, for some of those live kind of grievances so i i've really come to appreciate brooks's evolution how about it the one year that he uh he flies in by himself this year yeah he had to fly from live chicago oh well, yeah he was at rich harvest farms <laughs> yeah but he one year it. he flies in by himself he's the most cohesive uh, apparently beat member. the team the team playing here with connection or something in new york so maybe he was on uh majed's plane he could uh, yeah could have been on the jumbo jet <laughs> from, from uh live um, um I, I do you have any more big storylines what i was gonna ask for some quick hitters and what about the course I mean, I, I think like, is this going to be a great, is this a great golf course that I'm dying to go play? No, I, I think it could be actually like an exciting golf course to watch though. What's crazy is there are no, there are few normal par fours. They're all like drivable or they're all over 500 yards, which could be interesting in the context of I, match play. It's up and down hilly, as you've said, as we've noted, there's been a lot of debate about the rough. I think like from what I've looked at some of the analytics, like 
guys who play off side hills, guy who plays, uh, guys who play I from elevation that, changes no. up and down, not even just off of lies, side hill lies, but even just hitting, you know, up and down to, to pins, I have an advantage. I talk about Colin Morikawa, like premier distance control players. Um, I think it's it could be, it's not a great golf course, but I think it could be interesting. Yeah, like the 16th hole being that short drivable par four, like that, that's a hole that almost every match is going to get to and could be like a huge swinging hole. Um, that In a seems four ball like setting, especially. Right? I mean, Djokovic went for it today. <laughs> so, a lot of, when you know that, that there's too much buildup around the rider, <laughs> Djokovic was on was the on TV <laughs> today for like 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, being interviewed about stuff. I, I don't uh, Maybe he wants to come on our pod. They transitioned from Jokovic to Brexit. There's just a lot of analysis happening with, with the Ryder Cup. Yeah, um, I think like uh, what you were saying, to piggyback off what you're saying, like one thing that like some architects will talk about is like you want long holes to play long and short holes to play short. And I think this course actually kind of does that. Like you don't want to have like a 550 yard par four that plays 80 feet downhill. So it's like, oh, it's 550, but it's really like 440. I you like know. I like Victor Hovland. He's like, no, I don't think it's a great golf course, but it could be fun. For, it could be fun for match play. I'm, I'm really loving the Hovland's honesty of some of these answers. All right, I think we've we've covered enough of the big topics. Do you have any other quick? I was hitters? just going to do quick hitters. Who's the, who? Do you think is going to be the highest point scorer for the U.S. and the European team? For the U.S. team, I think <laughs> another homer pick, Patrick Cantlay. Um, I think the 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 house cat pairing is gonna gonna. Uh, yeah. I think they're. I, I think everything they've shown us in these team match play settings, um, whether it's a major, that's a separate question, has shown them they are bankable, reliable uh, points earners. And I think Patrick Cantley, another person who uh, probably appreciates some of the adversarial nature of it. I remember like some of those Tom Kim's like kind of antics at the uh, Presidents Cup last year. You could tell like that's a thing that really gets him going. And I think. Nothing they've shown us uh, in any of these match play. Xander in, in addition, but I can't lay. They're going to go four matches at least. I, w- I think he's a good well, option. Freddie said so for top points getter. So the uh, what about I you? Think, I think he could be uh, a guy that uh, agitates people too. Yeah, completely. Like, um, I'm going to go with Morikawa. Probably with Max Homa. It seems like they're going to play together. Yeah, at least in in one format. Yep. But I uh, like you say, I, you know, like he didn't have a great year, but it wasn't like horrible, oh, right? His, his static, his strokes gain approach were still like first yeah. on tour. He wasn't. Like, it wasn't like he was looking to find the club face. He just and didn't uh, yeah, I think the golf course fits his game really well. Like I think he's super accurate, and uh, that's going to be you know if he if he can putt well, like that's the thing, right? Like this is the week where putting like kind of comes alive. Um, and can really swing things. What about for the Europeans? Uh, top points earner? I, I think it could be Aberg. Wow. I think he's certainly going to be the top points earning rookie for the Europe. I, I know that's cutting it to four people out of 12. Um, I think he could also be the top points earner. All right. How about you? I'll go, uh, I'm going to just go off, off, way off the reservation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Matt Fitzpatrick top is going to go from never earning a half a point to being the top points guy. The one thing I'm, I do am encouraged by Rory, it seems like he's going to be with Fleetwood. 
So that feels like a really impenetrable duo. I, I think sometimes they pair Rory with like these guys to babysit, right? Uh, whether it's Peters and <laughs> sometimes it works. And yeah, it could be Aberg in this instance, but it does seem like Fleetwood is at least going to be a part of the equation for Rory. And that that's a formidable duo. Is there one that you're going to put as sort of the, the biggest, the bigger flame out or kind of a... a someone that you're walking away didn't really I got I got no n- no faith in big shot bob well I'm yeah sorry. he's gonna have no, two apolo- opportunities maybe. apologies to big shot bob i got no faith in him and then uh ricky uh, probably maybe yeah i think ricky for yeah. me on the yeah all right uh let's make Who's prediction i have the u.s winning i think they're gonna win by a comfortable enough margin however you want to define that uh three points maybe like 15 and a half 12 and a half um, I think that adds up to 28, I hope. Uh, I feel like France was sort of an outlier, right? The Tiger and Phil elements were still there. Bryson was Bryson, Bryson was uh, Patrick <laughs> Reed was there. There were some elements still from the old kind of catastrophe <laughs> brewing. disaster. Yeah, yes. And the course was a total one-off. Uh, that's not replicable. Uh, the, the course being so demonstrably favor favoring one side was was really a one-off and it doesn't exist really as much with, with this marco simone venue i think they have like they have the better process better organization since 2014 they've always had the better players and they have that again this year as speed you has, think they have a better process and organization than they've had in okay. this 30-year drought of disaster like it's not it's the same guys people expect you know the expectations from one to the next are, are similar and they have they have the same strong roster. None of those like young guys have been a part of these messes. Besides Spieth was that one, Kepka, Thomas, Ricky. That's it. None of these guys were playing in the 06 Ryder Cup, right? With with JJ Henry and Brett Wetter, Brett. Did you Wetterick. see the picture of them getting on the plane? That was yeah, in the brown, <laughs> straight out of World War II into the 2006 Ryder Cup and the brown uh, the bomber coats and all that. Those, yeah, just looking yeah. at all the players. So I just think like, you know, the Ryder Cup, they have an opportunity to make history, and you you have those at major championships, but it's usually a, a whatever one in 10 shot or something. This is a 50-50 bit with a few percentage points for a tie. I think they're like, they have the best process and organization than they've had. They have a better team. These young guys haven't been a part of these disasters. And they understand that they have like a real chance to make history and end a 30 year drought. And um, I think that's a big motivator with with something that's eminently achievable. It's a 50-50 deal. And I think they're gonna gonna win it. I got European (laughs) 16-12. Any grand reasoning for that? No. no. Okay. Just the. <laughs> just I'm just. Uh, I just think I don't like that the betting odds have like shifted to like even or maybe even the Europeans being favored. I don't like that. As some I, as someone who has a long-standing take on this podcast that they shouldn't allow fans in pro golf events, they'd be better off without fans. Do you think they impact home crowds? Impact the Ryder Cup? Oh, that's a good question. I think a little. A, a little like I think like where it can impact you is when you get on the ropes it might have like a residual impact psychologically if you're on the ropes like when a team makes a run and and everything's going against you it just feels a little bit more like it's going against you but on the inverse I think like I think that the away fans could actually also like help you 
Harmon. Crowbar yeah. one more Harmon reference in here. Yeah. Remember at the, the Open Championship, that mattered. He said it snapped him into it. Guys kind of chirping him. So, yeah, I, I think... I think for different players, it can impact them different ways and it's different situations, right? I think it's incredibly unique for golf where these guys aren't used to people being ever, you know, booing them or rooting for the other po- opponent outside the ropes. But, uh, yeah, it affects other, you know, some people in different ways. I, I think it matters a lot. It's just... I don't know if it matters overall to the home team, right? Are we worried about uh, the crowd? Fo- that focus is. for uh, for Zach. No, no. I th- with the I was I was uh, got night game. Is he going to stay up? Who are they on play? Saturday? They got Michigan State. It's the it's the ESPN game. I no, think. No, I don't. I'm not worried about Zach. <laughs> Zach, I wouldn't say it's going to. He probably, you know, he's probably resigned after last week. There are guardrails against the process, or against <laughs> kind of a. There are guardrails against this going kind of haywire because of one captain. Now, is he going to give? Do you a, think he's going to be up for the game? No. No, no, come on. It's been his life for two years. So he's going to watch a second-rate Big Ten game where I'm both teams you, can't I'm score 20 you. points? I've seen it firsthand. No. When Iowa no. football comes up, it, he, he turns into a different human being. No, I don't think I don't find Zach to be the most engaging fella on the microphone, but I don't think that matters that much. Did I tell the story about how he's got there's a no tweeting on Iowa football Saturdays? Yes, rule. you have told that story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he doesn't, because t- you would, Get mad about the coach or yeah, Brian Ferentz or might something. Have, might have sent a tweet that uh, that enraged one of their biggest Zach Johnson Foundation people. Oh, it was a, it was another it was a it was a rival a rival school. Interesting. Who happened to also be a big donor? Donor. Okay, that makes sense. It's a political maneuver. <laughs> so Twitter so now can only get no you in longer. Trouble. He doesn't have the keys to his yeah, Twitter account on Saturdays. All right. So you got Europe. I have the United States. We will be uh, doing the daily podcast throughout the week. A little different, right? It'll be mid Friday, mid afternoon Friday Eastern time. We'll be with Draddy throughout the weekend, uh, Saturday, and then Sunday recap show. Kind of dailies coming to you Friday, Saturday, Sunday, middle of the day. Uh, Eastern time. So thanks for your continued support. Thanks for B. Dratty, Summit Golf for having us. And we will talk to you on Friday after uh, the first four points are on the board. First four points. We'll do a mid-morning update and then we'll do a full-blown. Is it going to be on the pod? Ah, yes. Or is it going to be I on think so. We'll social. see. As you can tell, we have our act together. We'll sort it out in the next couple of days, but we'll talk to you on Friday.